Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. What in the world is going on in our world? And as we look from the Word of God, are we literally living in those last days? What is going to happen next? What does the book of Revelation say? After studying and studying for some time on this topic, begin prayer, uh, preparing for this, I would like to preach a series of messages that I hope will be helpful, instructive, that will challenge us, and that um, uh, will cause us to live a, a life uh, that is in light of the fact that Jesus could come back at any time. Do you believe that Jesus could come back at any time? If you believe that, then you'll live your life differently. Because you will understand that at a moment's notice, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus could come back. So there in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, we're going to look at four verses in just a moment. And I, I want us to understand that we are right now in the year 2022 living in the last days. And over the next few weeks, I would like to prove that from the Word of God. And although no man knoweth the hour, I believe that the hour is clearly upon us. I believe the hour is so close that in our lifetime, uh, we will experience the rapture. By the way, we should live our life as if that is a true statement. But I believe it to be a true statement. I would like to preach a message this morning simply entitled, The Antichrist is Ready. The Antichrist is Ready. I would like to use this as a foundational message to cause us to, to realize that I believe the Antichrist is alive and well today. Right now, he is living on this earth. And, uh, and so I want to live my life in such a way that I understand that at a moment, Jesus could come back, the Antichrist is not someone who has to be born already. He's already the Antichrist, ready to ascend to that throne. But I think we need to understand a little bit more about him. Um, and with that, I find that many Christians are frazzled. Many Christians are troubled. And many Christians are unsettled because they are believing in this world rather than Jesus Christ. They're believing in the system of this world, which means my bank account and, and my job security, my retirement security, and, and my social security check, and, and that's what I'm dependent upon, rather than living a life for Jesus Christ. And these last days, in one sense, they actually began at the moment that Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. Um, but God's people today are not to be troubled. We're not to live a frazzled life. We're not to live an unsettled life. We are to have what the Bible calls a settled faith. And some of us, we live our life in a manner that, that we look and we say, are you really a believer? Because we get so easily troubled with what's going on in our life. 
I'm going to read the two odd verses. You read the two even verses. We'll read verses 7 through 10 of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Here we go. Verse number 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Father, I know that the devil is the prince and power of this air. And I know that he will not be pleased that our church will address this topic of prophecy as he is exposed. So, Father, I pray first and foremost for a hedge of protection around our ministry as we delve into this topic. Lord, I ask that you will protect the preaching of the Word of God, that you will protect those who are listening to the preaching of the Word of God, and that we might be challenged in our faith not to be troubled and unsettled, but to be have a firm footing, a settled faith this morning. And Father, I pray that you will strengthen Tucson Baptist Church and those who are watching by live stream as a result of this series of messages. Beginning with this first message, Father, I ask that you will guide the words and the thoughts and keep us free from distractions. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text begins with this phrase, and to you who are troubled, how many of you this morning, you don't have to raise your hand, but just right where you're seated. How many of you are troubled this morning? How many of you uh, are unsettled? There's just something going on in your life. And if we were to peer into your mind and your heart, we would be shocked to see all that's going on and all the things that are causing you to be distressed. May I just encourage you this morning, the Bible says, rest with us. In other words, what that means is settle down, release that tension, rest with us. And so let's talk about a settled faith in a world uh, that is ready for the Antichrist. And I'm going to lay three things upon your heart this morning, and I want to pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will write them indelibly upon your heart and etch them into your very conscience this morning, that we might be prepared and we might understand what is really going on in the world stage at this very moment. Here is truth number one this morning, that we are to trust even in dark days. We're to trust even in dark days. Truth number one, it's trust even in dark days. You need not be dismayed. Look again, if you will, at 2 Thessalonians there in verse number seven, and you who are troubled, rest with us. But you say, Pastor, these are some dark days. I don't even want to turn on the news anymore. Everything I see in the news is distressful. Um, Yes, they are. But may I just tell you, they're gloriously dark. Because the darkest hour of the night is just before the dawn. May I tell you, Jesus is coming back. And we who are unsettled in our faith, may I just remind you, Jesus is coming back. Our hope is not in politics or economics or our bank account or our retirement. Our hope is sure, and our hope is in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, notice a couple things about this truth in dark days. I trust in these dark days in the who 
uh, that is coming, and the who is coming. In our Bible, it says in verse number 7, look at it with me there, it says, the Lord Jesus. I love that. The Lord Jesus. You know, today, his lordship is veiled, and it is ignored. It's uh, repudiated. But the word of God says that it will be revealed. This word revealed, is, it, it means to be unveiled. People don't understand who Jesus is. They talk about the peasant from Galilee, or perhaps they talk about uh, the lowly Nazarene. My friend, when he comes again, may I just encourage you, he's not coming as some lowly peasant. He is coming as Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming to be glorified. He's coming to be admired. That's who is coming. And notice with me in verse number 10, when he shall come to the glorified in all of his saints. The first time he came, he was spat upon. The first time he came, he was lied about. The first time he came, he was ignored. And the first time he came, worse yet, he was crucified. But he's going to be crowned the next time he comes, and I can hardly wait. He's going to be crowned, and he's going to be glorified. And at that moment, there's going to be stark terror for those who rejected him and chose not to trust him as personal Lord and Savior. My friend, Jesus Christ is going to win the next war. He's going to win the next battle. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says this. He's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior then becomes the judge, and the men who have cursed him behind his back, they won't curse him to his face. I promise you that. Now, God uh, takes no delight in this, but I serve a holy God, and a God will punish sin. And so, who is coming? The who is Jesus Christ. In these dark days, I can trust in something else. I can trust in the when of his coming. When he is coming. The Bible says there in verse number 7, look at it. And you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus. You see that little word there, when, just underscored. It doesn't say if. It says when. My friend, he is coming back. Make no, have no doubt about it. Write it down. Note it. He's coming back. Oh, we don't know the exact time because that day and that hour, no one knows. But we know there is a time, the Bible says, when. When he comes back. Jesus came the first time on time. May I just tell you, he was born on time. He died on time. He went back to heaven on time. And he's coming back again on time. As a matter of fact, the last book of the Old Testament speaks of the second coming of Jesus. It's the book of Malachi. And the book of Malachi tells us in chapter 4 and verse number 2 that Jesus is coming as the Son of Righteousness. And it says this, But unto you that fear my name, unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. And the word for son there is not S-O-N, it's the word S-U-N. It's an analogy, the writer of Malachi. Malachi says that the second coming of Jesus is like the sunrise. Now, let me tell you a couple of things I've learned about the sunrise. Number one is you can't hurry it up. Is that not true? You can't make the sun come up any earlier in the morning sky. You can't hurry it up. And the second thing I've learned about the, the sun is that you can't stop it from coming up. You can't hurry it up. 
You cannot stop it, but it's going to come up. And may I just tell you, one of these days, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to pull back those shades of the morning, and he's going to flood this world with his glory. And I can hardly wait. When he's coming, we don't know. But we know exactly that he is coming back. We not only uh, trust in these dark days, uh, the who and the when, but I see another thing in our passage of Scripture this morning. I, in these dark days, I can trust the wonder of his coming, the wonder of his coming. Look with me there at verse number 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired. Underscore that little word admired. This word has the idea of wonder. Uh, Commentator Phillips, he translates it this way. It will be a breathtaking wonder to all that believe. Can you imagine what it'll be like when we hear that trumpet? Can you imagine if we could hear that trumpet right now? I think that it would scare us half to death if I'd have said uh, someone behind in the, up there in the baptistry behind me to blow the trumpet right when I said that. It would have scared some of you half to death. I just tell you, it's going to scare us half to death. The trumpet will sound. Are you ready for the trumpet to sound? It's going to be wonderful when it happens. The trumpet's going to sound. Can you just imagine that? Can you imagine the wonder of admiring him and looking upon him and to call him wonderful? Do you know what we'll wonder at? Let me tell you a couple of things that we're going to wonder at. We're going to wonder at his transforming power. He has taken stubborn people just like you and me, and he's changed us. He's taken God-haters, and he's transformed them by the power of his love. And those who are living in ignorance and blindness, uh, we have had our eyes open. Those who have been demonized by the power of lust and drugs and immorality, they've been made pure as he's transformed them. What a transforming power that's made possible by his love. I love Jesus. Do you? Oh, he can do things that the devil could never ever even think about doing. And look at them. When we're caught up to meet the Lord, we're going to be, Bible says, changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And we'll look around and we'll see all of the saints in their glorified bodies. And, and, and listen, the Bible says he's perfect. And guess what? The Bible says we shall be like him. He, he reigns. We're going to reign. He's exalted. We're going to be exalted. We're going to be with our Lord and Savior. No wonder. Uh, it's going to be an amazing wonder to behold uh, all of those blood-washed saints, that throng that's going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, not only will we wonder at his transforming power, but the Bible says we're going to wonder at his saving grace, his saving grace. In verse number 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in, now watch this, all them that believe. He doesn't say all those that have done wonderful works. He doesn't say all those who have given a lot of money. He doesn't say all those who are handsome and pretty. He doesn't say all of those who are educated. No, he doesn't say that. He says all those who are saved by his grace. Are you saved this morning? I trust that is your testimony. May I just tell you, we'll wonder at his saving grace. Oh, when we see that blood-washed throng and we say, uh, from, from whence have they come and how did they get here? And here's how they got there. They believed by trusting Jesus Christ. Does that seem too simple to you? No, it is pretty simple. It's gloriously simple. 
But may I just say it's also simply glorious. Acts 16 and verse 31 simply says this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's his saving grace. I'm so glad to be able to preach the gospel to you this morning. I'm so glad that I can uh, uh, share with you from the word of God and say to anybody, any place, any time, if you'll believe in Jesus Christ, he'll save you from your sins. And if anybody, anywhere, anytime ever comes to Jesus in repentance uh, of faith and he doesn't save them, guess what? I'm going to close my Bible and I'll never preach again. But here's what I know. My Bible says he'll save you, gloriously save you. Look again with me there at verse number 10 in and, and our text. It says, he's coming to be glorified in all them that believe. The same God that saves you is the same God that will keep you. I'm telling you, friend, when we're caught up, he's going to be admired in all of them that believe. Not a one will be lost. It reminds me of the song, that soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose. I'll never, no, never desert to its foes. That soul shall all hell should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. No wonder we're going to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only can we see this morning the who of his coming, and we can see when he is coming, we can see the wonder of his coming, but let me give you one more final thought on this first thought here this morning, and that is this. We will also see the witness of his coming. The witness of his coming. Again, in verse number 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Now watch this. Because our testimony in you was believed in that day. When Paul came to Thessalonica, let me give you a little bit of background, culture, context. They were lost. They were without hope. They were on their way to hell. The apostle Paul came and he testified what Jesus Christ had done for him as the apostle. And you know the proof that you can believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ is not in the notes in your Bible. It's not in how much you put in the offering. It's not how many times you've been baptized. The proof is the fact that you're telling other men and women, boys and girls, how they can believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus said this very directly. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. A Christian who doesn't witness is a contradiction in terms. May I say that again? A Christian who doesn't witness and is ashamed of their faith is a contradiction of terms. Um, the Bible says that we will have a testimony, and others will be able to see that testimony. And so what is Paul saying in this section? He's saying, in dark days... You can trust because who? Jesus Christ. When? He is coming. And the wonder, it's going to be amazing when he comes. And we are a witness of that coming. Now, I get into the second truth now. It's a little bit darker. It's a truth that we kind of like, if I could just put it under the rug, I don't want to believe this. And here's truth number two is that we must trust even when there's a deceptive devil. We must trust even when there is a deceptive devil. And I'd like to spend a few minutes here talking about the devil. Look with me. Turn over one page in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And here we see a portion of Scripture where the Apostle Paul hits this topic head on. 
It says this, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that's the rapture, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, that is, don't be dismayed, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as, uh, <clears throat> as that the day of Christ is at hand. Notice verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that I was yet with you. I told you these things. Paul is saying, oh, you can trust in those dark days. But also he's saying, don't be deceived by that devil. You can trust in God even when there's going to be revealed to be a devil. In verse number 3, he says this, let no man deceive you. Now put that down big, plain, straight. The devil is a deceiver. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. He has inspired uh, uh, devilish deception. And what has happened? Let me give you the background here of chapter 2. Here's what's happened. A forged letter had gone out, and they, whoever forged this letter had signed the Apostle Paul's name to it. And the background is this, is that this forged letter from the Apostle Paul to the church of Thessalonica has said that these people were already living in the great tribulation called the day of the Lord. And they were saying this, you all missed the rapture. And, and it was a lie. It was a devilish lie. And Paul was talking about that lie. And he addresses that in verse number 1. The rapture is going to come first. But there was the lie that the day of the Lord is at hand. Uh, whoever wrote this, this fake letter had said, you're now in the tribulation. So Paul was setting forth, straightening them out on this lie. Now every lie is about the truth. And if it's not a lie about the truth, then it isn't a lie. And so Paul takes the truth that the lie was about, and he tells them now about the truth. And he explains some things to them about the Antichrist that's about to happen. You see, there is coming an Antichrist. And he is called the man of sin. And he's going to have one fling, one final insult, if you will, in the face of heaven's king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 3, let no man deceive you by any means. That is, the day of the Lord is not going to come until the Antichrist is here. Now here he's called the man of sin. He is going to be the epitome of evil. He is Satan's superman, if you will. He will counterfeit the work of God. Like any criminal, he will have many aliases. In fact, allow me to give you some of his aliases that are in the word of God. Let me give you some of the names he's called in the Bible. Two of them are found right here in this passage of Scripture. First of all, he's called the man of sin. The man of sin. That speaks of his character. He is evil personified. He's going to be the personification of sin. You see, history began with the sin of man, and it's going to end with the man of sin. All of the evil of this world will be instilled into one man. He is referred to as the man of sin. Another translation calls this the incarnation of wickedness. Another translation, the champion of wickedness. Another translation, wickedness in human form. All of these are the same way of saying this. 
The Antichrist is going to be a sinful man. But notice with me in verse number 3, he's also referred to, secondly, as the son of perdition. The son of perdition. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, the word perdition means judgment. It speaks there of the judgment that surely awaits him. The only other person in the Bible that's called the son of perdition is Judas. And uh, Williams translates this son of perdition this way. The one who is doomed to destruction. I believe that's why we can say Satan is sailing on a sinking ship. But in Revelation chapter 13, we find another description. He is called the beast. All of these are aliases. Why is he called the beast? Because the beast speaks of his ferocity, his cruel and fierce and ferocious nature. This man may have the face of an angel, but he has the heart of a beast. And then the apostle John calls him another name called the Antichrist. And you can read about that in 1 John chapter number 2 where he's called the Antichrist. The prefix A-N-T-I or anti means instead of or against. He's against Christ, but he comes as a substitute for Christ. He's one who opposes Christ. He's one who will say that he can supplant Christ. That is, he's the counterfeit Christ. Now, I want you to get something straight this morning. Jesus could say in John 14 and verse number 9, He that has seen me has seen my Father. Don't miss this. The Antichrist will be able to say the same thing. Because he is of the Father, the devil. Just as Jesus Christ was God in human flesh, the Antichrist will be the devil in human flesh. And he will be able to say to people in a, in a, in a charismatic way, Hey, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. But his Father's name is the devil or Lucifer. Now you have to understand this, that Satan desires worship. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. Is that he wanted, because of his pride, lifted him up. He wanted to be like the most, uh, the most high. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted others to bow down to him. And Satan is getting bolder and bolder in these days. And he's instilling more demonic, devilish worship. And he wants to receive worship. And he wants to be worshipped through the Antichrist. Look with me at verse number 4. It speaks of this man who opposes and exalted his, himself above all that is called God. Now that is the anti. He is against God. But now there's the anti in place of God, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Folks, don't let verse number 4 and 5 here just be dismissed in the reading of your Bible. The devil has always wanted to be worshipped. Now, the Bible says that this Antichrist is going to come and he's going to sit in the temple of God. Where is that? Is the temple of God able to be worshipped in at this moment? And the answer is no. The temple of God will be located and rebuilt in the city of Jerusalem. You say, Brent, do you believe that the temple will be rebuilt? Listen to me, my friend. I believe it with every fiber of my being. Not because of faith, but because they already have the materials to rebuild it. I believe it will be rebuilt with the help of the Antichrist. In a period about three and one half years. Listen, in rabbinical circles right now, the ultra-Orthodox in Jerusalem are already discussing and considering whether the time to rebuild and erect the temple is today. Now let me give you an Israeli press release. Here's a quote. 
In the Ministry of Religion, a document concerning this was put forward in which proposals from all over the world were collected. Religious activists are for the erection of the temple as soon as possible. There is some opposition, but everything is urging toward the building of the temple, end of quote. Here's another article, and I quote, Temple Mount activists are stepping up efforts to regain control of the Temple Mount and begin efforts toward the construction of the third temple. End of quote. Then the article goes on to point out this, quote, The money collected would be traded for gold, which must be set aside for the time when the construction would get underway. End of quote. Right now, at this very moment, don't let this get lost on you. At Temple Mount Institute and Museum, the artifacts are already, already completed, or in their final stages, silver trumpets for the worship, wash basins for the worship, robes for the priests to wear. They even have a box for the casting of lots, for the scapegoat and all of this, getting ready to reinstitute temple worship. Friends, this is not science fiction. This is not past. This is 2022. Right now, today, they're ready to rebuild the temple. And this Antichrist, he's going to make a covenant with Israel. And he's going to be allowed to sit in the temple. Look with me at verse number 4. He himself will enter into that temple and he will show himself that he is God. Of course, he's not God. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, when you see the abomination of desolation sit in the holy place, then you know that the greatest tribulation ever is about to begin. Now, notice the Antichrist going to be revealed. Look with me at, at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed. What does that tell us? It tells us that he can be alive and well right now. I believe he is alive. I believe he's going to come out of, uh, out of Europe. I believe he's going to be a uniter. I believe he's handsome and he's good looking. I believe that he will be wealthy. And I believe that, that today it would be a, a zero possibility to identify who that person is. Because he'll become empowered after a significant event takes place in this world called the rapture. It's called the rapture. Um, notice with me verse 6 and 7. Look carefully. And you know that with, uh, and you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. That is, if the Antichrist is alive and well today, there's something that is holding him back. Church, I want you to get this and be excited about this this morning. There's something that's restraining the Antichrist from being revealed at this very moment. It's as if the devil is on a leash. The Antichrist cannot come onto the stage until the time is set. Notice verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Friend, if you cannot see the spirit of Antichrist in the world today, may I just tell you, you're blind. you got scales on your eyes. All across this world, not in just one country, but throughout this world, there is a spirit that's against Christ. And the world is waiting for someone to step up. What is the what? Notice with me in verse number 6. There's a what. And ye know what withholdeth. What is the what? May I tell you this morning, the what is the church. The what is the church. When the church is taken out, 
the restraint is removed. The devil leash is taken off. Um, who is the he? The he is the Holy Spirit that inhabits the church. Now when the church inhabited by the Holy Spirit is taken out, called the event, the rapture, the Holy Spirit then is removed. There's going to be an evil that is like a landslide across this world. The trumpet is sounded. The church is taken out. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope it happens today. We're going to be taken out. But the restraint is removed. We, the church, are holding back. The evil of the devil and Antichrist. Did you know that the church is a restraint to the power of evil? Did you know that the Holy Spirit inhabiting his people has Satan on a leash? And there are certain things that he would like to do, but he cannot do. And one of those things that Satan is going uh, 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 to do is that when the church is removed, the rapture takes place, uh, there is going to be evil unlike any evil we've ever seen. And we think it's pretty bad right now. My friend, when Mickey Mouse is now transgender, it's pretty bad. When the innocence of our children, the innocence of our children is threatened, things are pretty bad. Oh, no, they're not bad yet. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. When is that going to get, when is it going to get worse? At the rapture. The moment that we are taken out. The Bible calls us to be salt and light. And what does salt do? Salt preserves. Yes, it does. But what else does salt do? Salt stings and salt irritates. And one of these days that, that preservative, stinging, irritating salt is going to be removed. And there's going to be nothing to stop evil in this world. Light, what does light do? We're the light of the world. Light reveals. Light dispels darkness. Light as well uh, produces. And one of these days, God's divine photosynthesis is going to be removed and taken out. And God's revealing light is going to be taken out. And one of these days, the preaching like I'm doing today will be taken out. And Antichrist will have his way. That man of sin will be revealed. You know, Tucson Baptist Church will still be a church after the raptures takes place. Someone will still come and stand, and they'll worship. They won't worship the God, but they'll worship a God. It's coming. He's going to come, and when that happens, when the church is taken out, friend, there'll be such a flood tide of lawlessness and wickedness, and the world won't be able to stop it. You might as well be able to uh, try to dam up Niagara Falls with toothpicks as to stop the flood tide of lawlessness that's going to come the day, the minute the rapture takes place. The Holy Spirit will stand aside. And then the Antichrist will step forward. The man of sin will come on the scene. And he'll, he will be the Hitlers, the Khomeinis, the Saddam Husseins, and the Putins all in one. He'll be the composite of evil. His intellectual genius will be great. His authority will be overpowering. His hatreds will be extraordinary. The Antichrist uh, uh, techniques will be superb. Men will be willing to die for him. Women will swoon at his feet. Little children will speak his name with reverence. And the whole world, whole world will wonder after the beast and Satan's master plan 
man is tied to his superman called the Antichrist. And if, and if, we, and if we could talk, if we had one more time about how, how he's going to control the world with commerce and ungodly miracles, it's coming. And maybe we'll look at that in a few weeks. But I want you to notice as my time is about to go on, verse, verse 10 and 11 and 12. Verse number, the Bible says this. Even, uh, back in verse number, let me just jump back there. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. He'll make you believe that up is down and black is white. And he'll make you believe that good is evil. The Bible says all power and signs and lying wonders. Now watch this. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish... Because they received not the love of truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Now listen to me. Please listen. Don't you ever plan on getting saved after the rapture takes place. How foolish. There's some people that say, listen, after the rapture takes place, then I'll get saved. Then I'll know that it really was the truth. There will be people who sit in churches and they've heard the plan of salvation like you've heard this morning. They will hear that I have to believe in Jesus and nothing else. And they've heard that. And they said, I don't want him. I don't want him today. I won't believe him today. Listen to what 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The opposite here of truth is not uh, error, but it is unrighteousness. A man who has been presented with the truth, a woman who has been presented with the truth, and they think that they don't have to uh, talk to Jesus and ask God to save them from their sin. In the, in the, it, when the rapture takes place and the period of tribulation begins, you will not have an opportunity to get saved again. It's not possible. God says this, and with all your sin will be the baggage of unbelief when the church is taken out. The Bible says you will believe the lies of the Antichrist. And there are some people saying, well, I'm just going to wait until the rapture. If the rapture really happens and everybody else is gone, then then I'll know it really is true. No, you won't. I talked with a teenager who said, Pastor, why can't I live my life however I want to live my life? And if what you say is true, there's going to be a rapture, I can get saved as soon as the rapture takes place. Well, first of all, that means that you don't believe in Jesus right now. And first of all, or secondly, that means that you have discounted what Jesus has done for you. So why, after the rapture, would he save you? Because you don't believe the truth today, you're going to believe this Antichrist that suddenly appears and brings about peace in the world. My friend, we're going to get into the tribulation and what happens in those seven years of the tribulation. It is foolish for any one of us that want to live one second in the period called the tribulation. The Bible says you will believe the lies You will be damned to a place called hell. Oh, I've got to wrap up this message. My time is already gone. And I think I'm just going to stop right here and not rush through this last point. May I just tell you, the Antichrist is ready.
We've got to trust even in dark days. We've got to trust even when there is a master deceiver called the devil and he wants to destroy you. And there are, there are many of us who say, that's a nice story, Pastor. It's a nice story. It doesn't shake us. It doesn't move us. May I just tell you, the Antichrist is coming. The Bible says just as Jesus is coming back, the Antichrist is coming. He's ready. He's ready to be worshipped. The devil's ready to exalt him. The devil's ready to lift him up. This, this lawlessness that's going on in our world today is nothing once the church is removed. Here's my final thought. There's going to be someone here today that says, now listen, why should Christians be saved from the tribulation? It's a fair question, but usually it comes from a mature Christian who wants to argue. Let me succinctly state that the tribulation is not about the church. The tribulation is about the Jews who rejected Jesus. And the tribulation period is Jesus coming back to deal with that sec ultimate second coming when he comes to the earth to deal with the Jewish people. I'm thankful he's going to spare the church from the tribulation period. I'm thankful for that. He loves us. Why would he put his bride, the church, through the tribulation that he loves so much? He's going to spare us from that. But there's people who will still sit in church, hear that message, and leave lost as can be. My friend, Antichrist is ready. He's coming. But are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. I pray that you would take this message. You will cause us to become soul winners. That you'll cause us to tell others about Jesus so that they will not have to go through this tribulation period. Father, I beg you to do a work in our, our heart this morning. Our eyes are closed. Thank you so much for great attention this morning. I find that people are fascinated by prophecy. They want to know as much as they can know. They really want to have like an edge. I want to know something that nobody else knows when it comes to prophecy. Here's the first thing you must know. Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. There's nothing more important. Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Jesus said, if you believe in Jesus, you can be saved. <clears throat> Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, you can do that this morning. I would encourage you to do that. Do not live with the anxiety the unsettledness, the frazzledness that if the rapture were to take place, that I would be left behind. Because you would never have an opportunity to trust Christ ever again because you've heard today the gospel message. So trust him today. Christians, this series of messages is going to be to you as we go through many weeks of prophecy. Yes, some messages will be just to educate, but, but ultimately it is to help us to become men and women, teenagers, college students, single adults who have a passion to live a life 
about Jesus Christ and to tell others. I asked you this morning, who is the last person you told about Jesus? Do you have to think long?